All right. Amen. Well, let's give it up for the worship team. You know what? I, I am not at all biased. Uh, the worship team, man, is awesome. I wonder why, you know, because we have a lot of, you know, talented people in this church. Uh, well, good afternoon. Uh, it is such an honor to lead us in the word today. Not only is today really a celebration where we worship our king, right? But today is a celebration uh, because it's so great that we get to worship or not worship, but celebrate our queens here in this world. Right, which is our mothers. So let's give a round of applause for all our moms. You know, so if you are a mother in the house today and have not, not gotten a thank you from your kids, I want to say thank you. And for all the future times, if they don't give you a thank you, I'm going to give you all more future thank yous. So I'll go ahead and give you guys another. But obviously, if you have the uh, mic up here, you kind of have a point of privilege. So I just wanted to use this time to thank my own mother, Sabrina Gonzalez. She she is out here. You know, she drove all the way here from Los Angeles. And if you guys don't know, they call her the Duchess of Culver City. Uh, That is a name I just kind of made up myself, but it's okay. Uh, But something cool. Uh, this past Wednesday was International Nurses Week. Uh, and so I want to just celebrate even all the nurses and the people that are in the medical field, even here in our congregation. Let's give a round of applause. You guys are frontline workers, work so hard. And that's my mom up there. She was on the L.A. Times because uh, she got a really good review from one of her uh, one of her patients. Amen. And so I just wanted to kind of put up there to just give, you know, my mom's really proud of that. Uh, but, you know, as Christians, we have been taught at an early age to always honor your father and mother. Right. And it is rightfully given to us. It is rightfully commanded for each and every one of us to listen because it's to teach us how to respect and deeply love those who are responsible for raising and providing for us. Right. It is it is a lesson that is deeply ingrained uh, in all people over the world. It doesn't even have to be in our church, but in all people in the world. I'm going I'm to give you guys some fun facts about Mother's Day. You know, Mother's Day is the largest card-giving day in the entire year. It is reported that over 140 million cards will be given to their mothers all around the world. And, and so if you only gave your mom a card for this day... It's all good, right? It's all good. If you can't beat them, join them, right? Uh, Another fact, Mother's Day is the second largest gift-giving day only surpassed by Christmas, right? So I firmly believe that with these facts that Mother's Day is a great way to really connect with God in an intimate way. And I know a lot of these facts can, can seem... You know, crazy, but it only makes sense, right? Because nature or nurture, we are deeply connected with our mothers. But I have an awesome scripture here in Isaiah 66, verse 12 to 13, uh, because I I do believe that this day is a great way to connect with God. So let's look at the scripture here. It says, for this is what the Lord says. I will extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried on her arm. And dandled on her knees. And check this out. As a mother comforts her child, so will I 
comfort you. And you will be comforted over Jerusalem. So can I get an amen that we have a God that wants to comfort us? Amen, Amen, right? You know, there's something beautiful about this passage because the later 27 books of Isaiah are words uh, of comfort by God. Right. It brings message. The, the book of Isaiah gives us messages of forgiveness, comfort, hope, a hope that looks forward to the coming of Jesus, which is our Messiah. But this poetic imagery here in this passage shows the comfort that God desires for us, that that comfort is related to a mother caring and nurturing their child. So I believe that God intentionally did this. He, he, he helped us create this picture to help us deeply connect with this innate truth that we are people meant to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so our time in the Word today is called the glory of a godly mother. Let's say, say it with me, the glory of a godly mother. Amen. You know, all throughout the Bible, God uses the role of a mother Uh, to exemplify amazing characteristics, to bring out these awesome characteristics that help give glory to God. You know, there are about 93 women recorded in the Bible, and only eight of those were highlighted as faithful mothers with extraordinary stories. And when I read the Bible, and maybe you can relate with me, but it's easy to get caught up in these larger segments when we read it, of stories that can easily stick to our memory. And you probably have those stories for you. But for me, it was when Moses parted the Red Sea. How cool was that image? Right? Or when Joshua was fighting the Amorites and, and God kept the sun still. Or when Jesus healed the sick, fed the 5,000. Man, I wish I could have been there in those stories. But these stories, when you read it, Right, just gets you so inspired. But the one thing that all these people had in common is that all three of these men had powerful mothers. Right, their stories are essential puzzle pieces to the greater love story that is the Bible. And studying them out really helped me understand the amazing impact that mothers have in our lives. Do we read the Bible? With a very fine lens. Do we value all the intricate ways that God connects the greater picture of his love? You know, this journey of studying out some of these moms in the Bible only helped me be convinced. That the same way that Jesus lifted high those who were unexpected in society, in the same way, God uses mothers. Those that you don't necessarily expect to teach incredible spiritual lessons. So I want to study out with you three amazing mothers in the Bible with their own unique characteristics, with the hope that it equips you with qualities and illustrations that give glory to God. So are you, are you all ready with, ready with me? Right? Come on. Amen. Amen. So the first mom uh, in the Bible is Jochebed. Everybody say Jochebed. Jochebed, the mother with the plan. If y'all don't know who Jochebed is, I know I see some faces like, who the heck is Jochebed? But it's Jochebed is the mother of Moses. And so let's look at the scripture in Exodus 2, 1, 4. It says, now 
a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. And so we all know this story really well. And if you like that movie, Prince of Egypt, I feel like that scene is kind of rolling through your head, right? But I want you all to consider the circumstances that the Hebrews were in, right? God blessed the midwives in Hebrew or, or in the tribe of Hebrew for their fear of God, right? And they, they put that fear of God over the fear that they had to the Pharaoh. So God really blessed these people greatly and they started to multiply in abundance. And so the Pharaoh saw this and was like, this, this cannot happen. So he imposed a rule to kill all the male infants. And mothers were losing their children to the hands of Pharaoh. But enter a daughter of a Levite who through an act of courage came up with an amazing plan to save her son. Right? Imagine if Jochebed didn't act according to plan. What would happen to the future of the Israelite people? You know, this plan, this plan, although a hard decision for Jochebed, you know, and her entire world has fallen apart at this point, she continued the motion of God's greater plan. And so I wanted to share a little bit about my mom. You know, the, my mom was a sibling of seven to a father uh, who was a senator and a mother who ran a university in the Philippines. She was born in Manila. Uh, and my mom tragically lost her parents when she was at the age of 20. Uh, and she graduated as a newly uh, made nurse. Uh, and her parents just passed a little bit after that. And this was a rather hard part in her life. You know, seeing her parents die at a very young age she saw that life was just way too valuable. And so she packed her bags, moved to San Francisco uh, to pursue a career in nursing. But as she moved, she kept harboring this pain, this grief. And what it did, it made her just desire to know God. And so one night, she, she was up late. She was searching the yellow pages uh, for all the kids who don't know what yellow pages are, it's kind of like the contacts on your phone with all these numbers, but you don't know who any of these people are, right? Uh, so she was searching through the yellow pages for someone to just study the Bible with her. It, it didn't matter who, but she just well, she was just willing to pay someone to study the Bible with her. And what resulted in her find was someone from our church and invited her to a church service. And, you know, in her first service, she came, got all dolled up, was super excited. And, and you used to have kind of like pamphlets, like announcement pamphlets, right? And in the pamphlet, it says that there was the creation of the Manila mission team and they were going to have a meeting right after service. And they were looking for people. And my mom said, well, I'm Filipina, so I'm probably going to join this mission team. So right after service, uh, she, she took that opportunity uh, went to the to the meeting and disciples just saw her and was like, I've never seen you before. Right. And so one of the women in the mission team 
had to unfortunately sit her down and say, hey, I know you're just visiting, but this opportunity is only for disciples. And she needed to study the Bible. And so my mom was like, all right, bet. I'll, I'll, I'll study the Bible. So she studied the Bible immediately after. And then three months later, she became a disciple. Amen. You know, and, and so she studied the Bible for three months, got baptized, joined the Manila mission team, and she just gave up nursing. And not only that, she gave up her U.S. citizenship and left everything in God's hand and walked where God told her to. And man, her times as a missionary in the Philippines are some of the most powerful faith-building stories that inspires me, even as a disciple. And if you want to know more, man, just ask her. It, it, it will blow your mind. But th- throughout the different twists and turns in my mom's life, you know, I'm inspired by her courage to act. Right. Despite the setbacks, my mom always envisioned a greater plan that God had so much more to offer. You know, Jochebed knew right, how wrong it would be to give up her son and place him in the house of the Pharaoh. Right. But, you know, there was no alternative way but to hide her child. So but but you see that God uses her courageous plan to, to put Moses, a Hebrew, in the house of the Pharaoh. And if you think about this plan, it doesn't make sense because Jochebed wanted to, you know, take Moses away from the Pharaoh, but it just so happened that God even placed Moses to the hands of his wife. And this is crazy, right? But we later see that this exactly had to happen in order for the story of Moses to occur. But imagine... The fear and hesitation that Jochebed must have felt at that moment. But there was little to no other options for her. You know, how often are we surrounded by evil and frustrated by how little we can do about it? When faced with setbacks, do we subject to them or do we continue to move forward in full faith and trust in God? That God will do exactly what he needs to do. You know, this instance in Moses' life and the decision of his mother shows us that we need to trust in God and how he uses our efforts. This small action in the grand scheme of this story took incredible sacrifice for Jochebed. But a mother with a plan is a mother who was willing to sacrifice. And Jochebed was a woman of courage and action because of her decision to sacrifice for the sake of God's plan for Moses. I totally believe that she would have understood the same God who said in Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Because her plan wasn't only to save her son, but the goal of her plan was to do exactly what God intended to do, despite the hardship around her. I totally believe that without her, I can't imagine what the journey of the Israelite people would have looked like if she didn't make that sacrifice. So amen, right? Jochebed was a mother with a plan. The second uh, mother in the Bible that I want to highlight is Hagar, the mother who endured. 
So let's turn our Bibles to Genesis 16. Let's put our fingers on there. Uh, but it says, you know, in the story, Hagar kind of gets a bad rap in the story of Abraham and Sarah. You know, some people see Hagar as a setback in the story, right? Due to Sarah's impatience and, the, and God's ability to give them a son. But the story of Hagar is so interesting because she is a mother who has been continually dealt an incredibly bad hand. Right. Out of Abraham and Sarai's or Sarah's inability to give birth, she gives birth to Ishmael. Right. Hagar was pretty much ousted and persecuted by Sarah before she gives birth. And so she decides to just flee to the due to the mistreatment and the bullying that she got from Sarah. And so we're picking up in the story where Hagar had ran away. And in uh, Genesis 16, verse 7 to 16. It says the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was a spring that is beside the road to shore. Amen. That angels live in the desert, right? Amen. Amen. And he said, Hagar, slave to Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She answered, I'm running away from my mistress Sarai. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress. And submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so that they will be too numerous to count. But catch this, right? The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him and he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. So she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Bir Lahai Roy. It is still there because Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. You know, Hagar was facing persecution. She was facing mistreatment and she ran away. But God challenged her to endure it. But he helps us see that even in our afflictions, he challenges us to respond in faith. And if you, you know, fast forward to the New Testament, Jesus continued the same truth in his ministry. That in Matthew 5, 10 to 12, and this is the Christian Standard Bible, it says, You are blessed when, everyone say when, when when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your, your reward is great in heaven. And so it shows here that it's not you are blessed if They insult you, but it says when you are blessed, when they insult you. And so it's a conditional statement, but check this out. Endurance is the catalyst for excellence. That the decision to overcome the circumstances gives way for God's will to work powerfully. I can only imagine Hagar's thoughts when the angel challenged her to go back. But to combat her doubt, God makes a covenant and a promise with her. And I love her faithful response because in that, what completely moves her 
is that she knew that God sees her when she says, I have now seen the one who sees me. And to help me uh, kind of uh, teach more on this uh, mother in the Bible, Hagar, I wanted to have actually my sister and my mom come up here uh, to share a few thoughts about this topic of endurance. So let's give a round of applause for my sister. Hello. Good afternoon, desert. What's up? Um, Isn't my brother amazing? Don't you guys love him? (laughs) We love him too. Don't worry, but we'll let you guys keep him. Um, Like he said, my name is Rachel. I help serve on the ministry staff in the West Side, our sister region in the LA church. Um, And I am so grateful to be able to be here with you guys today. Happy Mother's Day to all the incredible mothers. Um, and to my mother, she's amazing. Um, but yeah, I love this story of Hagar and her experience with, you know, the God who sees her, El Roy. Um, and for me, I think it's sobering to think about the hardship she would have to endure, um, going back to her mistress, Sarah, not knowing that she would be mistreated and not knowing if her son will be treated as the rightful heir. You know, he was a firstborn son and that was a part of the tradition back then, but she just had no, she had no clue. She had no uncertainty. And she was going off of the covenant and the promise that um, God promised her. A God that she was honestly unfamiliar with because she was Egyptian. She wasn't even a Hebrew. Um, and not only that, but the mistreatment and the marginalization um, directed towards her as she would go back to that family. She just had no idea. Um, but, you know, for me, it's really encouraging because the story of women enduring is a narrative that continues throughout the course of the entire Bible. Um, we see Hannah, Samuel's mother, who prayed fervently to God um, after enduring infertility. And that back then was like a big deal. Um, but she prayed, she endured, and eventually God did give her a son, Samuel, um, that she willingly gave up. Imagine that. Like she willingly gave up her son to be raised up as a prophet, um, not knowing that God would have this incredible plan for her son to help King David, one of the greatest kings in the history of Israel, to be the king that he was meant to be. Um, we also have Naomi. You know, we're all familiar with the Ruth and Naomi story, who ultimately wanted her son's wives to live a great life. And she endured the hardship of having everything taken away from her. Um, and, you know, facing the marginalization of being a widow during that time. Um, and speaking of widows, we have the parable of the persistent widow. I'm assuming she was probably a mother. Um, but she, what, she endured and was persistent in her prayers and in asking for help, even though, you know, like Naomi, she was kind of cast off from the rest of society. Um, so I think it's incredible that mothers often have to make incredible sacrifices and endure so much pain for a greater plan that is so far outside of their understanding. I often think about the mothers, um, you know, in our society today from Central America, knowing the difficult circumstances in their own countries um, and willingly choose to send their kids to the United States, having so much uncertainty, not knowing if they're going to make it, but they have to endure their heartbreaking circumstances back at home, um, endure whatever low-paying jobs they had, and raise enough money to send their kids ultimately for a better life that they could not provide them themselves. In the same vein, um, I applaud my own mother (laughs) for the ways that she had to endure when we moved to this country. For those who don't know, 
we're all born in the Philippines. <laughs> and, you know, our parents moved us here when Roy and I were very little. Um, and I didn't see it much growing up, personally, because of how much my parents protected us. You know, they wanted to build a really great life for me and my brothers. Um, and they, you know, for the most part, we had a happy childhood. Like, I didn't notice any hardship or any struggle. But later in life, I was able to see the lasting effects of her, you know, working multiple jobs in the hospital. You know, once they stepped out of the ministry, they, um, my mom was the only one who had a job here in the United States while my dad was still looking for work. Um, so while she was working long nights in the hospital, she would still come back and fulfill um, the amazing God-given call of being a great mother and also a faithful disciple and a friend when the church um, during that time was going through a really difficult season. Um, her endurance paved the way for our excellence as kids, and we are so grateful for that. Um, I know that I am, and Roy, <laughs> that we're both so aware of the impact that's had on our lives and why we're able to have the opportunities that we have today. So, Mom, thank you. <laughs> we love you. Um, and I think ultimately the example of the endurance of these incredible women helped me see more holistically what it means to be faithful to God despite all circumstances, um, despite all odds, despite hardship, despite persecution and uncertainty. We see that time and time again in the Bible. Mm. But to keep pushing regardless of the outcome and continue being faithful to God ultimately because, you know, his promises never fail us. Amen. Um, so knowing that God has a, plan, has a plan that is so far above my understanding is so much greater than what, can, what I can think of or imagine. So thank you for letting me speak. Amen. Good job. Thank you. Oh. Hi, happy Mother's Day again to the faithful mothers that are here today. You know, it's an honor to be in front of you sharing my journey with God. But first of all, I want to thank everyone here, um, the, uh, the awesome, warm, loving family of God here in Palm Springs. Just how you welcome um, my son Roy and my awesome daughter-in-law Alicia with an open arms. Um, and also for, I want to thank um, Danielle and Scott for believing in them, raising them up and training them so God can use them in a powerful way. I am only given five minutes. I have to beg Roy to take out one of these points to give me more time to share. Because, because there's so much God's victories and answered prayers. But to no avail, I'll just trust the Holy Spirit. So this paper is my boundaries. Roy said, as long as I read through it, it's five minutes. No sidetrack. Um, and um, I want to share a little on how I grew up and connect connecting it to God's character that I hold on to. My family dynamics is not that great. There are seven siblings. First and second sisters were born the same year. One in Feb, next in Jan, Jan, uh, December. And then the second child born in July 16, and the following year, July 4th, and every year. So parental attention was very limited, of course. My dad was really not a hands-on dad. It, he was a politician, a senator, and my mom works 24-7 handling the finances of a huge family business. Most nights, she does not get a decent sleep. She takes catnaps only during nighttime. Um, 
to be able to see her, I have to go to her, sat beside her while she's doing paperwork. There were times if I do not go to her, she will not see me all day. Uh, we were practically raised by nannies. We call it yayas in my country. Um, even my father, I have to make an appointment, you know, to talk to her because she has to be with the people, you know. And um, as I study the Bible, the God in Hagar's life, the Elroy God, which is God sees, he was the one who sustained me every time I have a crisis or a challenge in my life. Come on, Mom. So the most recent challenge or crisis is when my ex-husband moved out, the house in 2013, of course. Then divorce followed suit. But um, during the time, be, being a disciple of 27 years, with all the victories and answered prayers I have, you know, I, I cannot doubt God. You know, that, that God will not be in this picture. Um, although intense prayer, scripture reading, claiming more promises are needed, I literally literally learned how to pray doing different position bowing hands up prostrate position even if prayers may not be answered uh, my way i trusted the scriptures and um i want to share some scriptures that sustain sustains me in romans eight twenty eight, it said and we know that all things work together for good to those who love god to those who are called according to his purpose and then I truly believe I have the same God as Hagar. God never took away his eyes from me. Come on, you know, he says to me when I'm crying, but I get comforted. I probably said I have to cry. He sits beside me when I'm lonely, for the feeling does not last. You know, it goes away. Um, he hears me when I beg in my prayers, for they get answered. You know, um, God feels my pain, for I get relief. Um, and then God finds me when I am silent, because he sent people in my life. Amy, Florence, I have to shout out. Shout out. Amy, Florence, Isa, and Angie uh, to pray with me and search the scriptures. So God sees and pursues me, mm. you know, during the family crisis. As long as I open. As long as I open my eyes to see him, I will be okay. You know, like when I go to my mother, I get comforted. You know, I initiate. So, um, uh, Jeremiah 6.16, another life uh, scripture of mine. It said, Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old path where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. You know, my, you know, to move forward, my goal or vision is for my children to stay faithful. You know, praying hard that they will get better instead of being bitter. You know, holding on to God's promise in Acts 2.39. You know, for the promise is to, for, to you, for you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Mm. So, and this is very true to me. Although my son, Roy, took a different path, but in a short time, I never doubted that he will turn back to God. He will go back to the right path. 
it will be the Holy Spirit who will pull him back through my prayers. Uh, I can honestly say, you know, surviving this family crisis is the best thing that happened to me spiritually. My relationship with God is much more real and intimate. Mm. After my 35 years of being a disciple of Christ, you know, I have a godly children, daughter-in-law, glorifying God in their lives. I became more resilient with any challenges. Welcome Mm. them with open arms now, for my father will always be beside me. God will not give me anything I cannot handle, like what the scripture says. For he will carry my burdens, so it will be lightweight. You know, I want to leave you with the scripture from the New American Standard Bible, Deuteronomy 4.9. Only be careful for yourself and watch over your soul diligently. So you you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen, and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your son, your daughters, your grandson, and your granddaughters. God sees me every second, and he does see you too. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen. Wow. You know, these are the women I'm surrounded with, uh, and they greatly exemplify the call to endure. You know, my sister is one of the strongest women or women that I have in my entire life. You know, and as her older brother, I have this responsibility to look after her and be there for her. But what I've seen from her faith is that she actually gives me and, and kind of lifts me up. And I love the way that she gives God all the authority and moves in confidence. Last but not least, I I really am so grateful for my mom because she is this, that a mother who endures sees a circumstance and chooses to rise above. And my mom has seen valley after valley, hardship after hardship, yet her devotion to God continues to help her rise above. And the last uh, mother that we're going to look at today is Mary. And she's the mother who believed And in John 2, verse 1 to 11, it says, On the third day of a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. But when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. And Jesus responded, Woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. You know, his mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. And so nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And so we, for the sake of time, we all know this story, right? Jesus says, fill the jars and just absolutely supplies enough wine for that whole entire wedding. Uh, And in the end of that story, everyone in Cana uh, saw this sign and saw the glory that is in Jesus. Uh, and so, you know, there are many stories that really show Mary to be this faithful mother, right, who believed in the power of her son. But I turn to this specific story because I do believe that it's a beautiful illustration on Mary's surrender. Right. And in verse four in that story, it shows that Jesus to have this incredible audacity to speak to his mother like that. 
I know if I said that, I can't really pull the Messiah card. So if I said, if I called my mom woman, I would get literally hit upside the head for sure. So I wouldn't recommend that. But Mary had every right to cause this scene because of wine running out. Because weddings are week-long festivities uh, and careful planning was needed um, for weddings. And to run out of wine is actually a very offensive and embarrassing act because it broke a lot of unwritten laws of hospitality. You know, and so this miracle of turning water into wine is Jesus responding to this heartfelt need. And so I can only imagine Mary joining with the rest of the crowd uh, with the stress of running out of drink. Uh, but Mary was probably not, I, I don't know if they called it drink back then, but wine. But Mary was probably not asking Jesus to do this miracle Because she was simply hoping that her son would help solve this major problem and find some wine. And Jesus' answer to Mary is where most readers really find it difficult to understand. But maybe that's the point. Maybe Mary would be the only person, and I'm sure of this actually, that Mary would be the only person in the wedding to truly understand that power that Jesus had. Right in communication with God, being the mother and being told that her child was going to be the son of God. Is it something that you easily forget? But what I love about Mary is her surrender and trust to know that Jesus was going to do the right thing. So what she did is she decided to sit back in her power of submission. She was able to relinquish her worry to Jesus. You know, in 2013, my mom kind of alluded to this. I actually left the church and I experienced my senior year uh, pursuing all the things that I felt deprived of as a teenager. You know, I was going to parties. I was drinking a lot. I was getting into and out of relationship after relationship. I was smoking. And to my mom, this was incredibly hard because not to offend my sister, but I was indeed her favorite. And so I would lie to my mom where I was going, right? And I would avoid my mom when I would come home. But however, deep down, I knew she had a clear idea what I was doing and where I was going. You know, the one thing I appreciate about my mom is that she wouldn't, you know, outrightly judge me or lecture me. But all she would want to do is give me a long hug before I went to bed and just take this huge whiff. Right. Just to confirm that I was incredibly I was an incredible heathen in need of God. Right. You know, but fast forward to about a year and a half throughout my restoration process. What motivated me was her ability to remain faithful in that time when I was in the world. And even in that time where, uh, like she said, we had this family crisis. But I made it so hard to be a parent during that season but to see her devotion to God strengthen me and help me understand that God's love was worth the wait. So like Mary, her ability to relinquish control was not solely on her submission, but her belief that Jesus had the ultimate authority. Right? This was going to be his opportunity to show his true power. And so my mom waited for Jesus to reshow his power back in my life. And if you were to ask her, It was one of the biggest seasons of prayer and seasons of relinquishing her control. A mother who believes is a woman who puts God's will 
above all things. And so the glory of a godly mother, as seen in these three women, is not only found in their identity as mothers, but essentially what makes them so important in God's story is that these were women devoted to the authority of God. Above their desires, above their comfortability, above their life, these women, time and time again, chose God. And so Mother's Day is not only a celebration for mothers, but it's a celebration of the impact and amazing feats women can have on this world when they work side by side with God. So whether you're a mother, whether you're a grandmother, whether you're a single mother, a widow, a married woman, or single, the glory of a godly mother is not found in their identity, but the true power is their steadfastness, their loyalty, and commitment to God. And so this specific holiday indeed is worth celebrating the great blessings and example that you women here in this church set. And we're about to take communion here in the moment. But when we take communion, we think about the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And all these mothers knew exactly that God had a specific purpose in his plan. All with the goal, knowing that their stories were part of this great puzzle piece of restoration of mankind back to God. And so I pray that in the future Mother's Day celebrations, we not only celebrate, but develop a newfound gratitude in God's intentionality in people's lives. I pray that we honor mothers and connect with God's desire to reach us each and every day through the love that we feel from mothers or mother figures in our lives. And if you're visiting with us today, Our biggest purpose here in this church is to live lives that give glory to God. But today, I am grateful for the glory of godly mothers in the Bible and godly mother, godly mothers and mother figures here on this earth. So I want to say thank you so much for being an example of strong women who are led by God's plan, who constantly endure hardship of life, and who lead lives that wholeheartedly believe in our God. So can I get an amen for all the faithful moms here in this church? Amen. Amen. To God be the glory. Let's go ahead and pray for communion. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we worship you. God, we're falling down on our knees in gratitude, Lord, that you have this greater plan for each and every one of our lives. God, that each story in the Bible, each person that you brought forth, that you breathed your spirit in, God, they were just puzzle pieces to this greater story that brings sinners like me to you. Lord, I pray that we can connect uh, with uh, communion, God, with the juice and the bread that symbolize your son dying on the cross. Lord, that he is ultimately the bridge that bridges us to you. God, thank you so much for the mothers in our lives. Thank you so much for the strong women in our lives. Lord, that they could just be conduits to seeing more of your great qualities. Lord, I pray, God, that we can be inspired by them and help us glorify you each and every day more and more. pray for everything in your mighty son's name. Amen.